0: I just shut
1: doors. Yeah, just shut those doors. Yeah. And then I'm going to play Go. the intro so I don't have to edit it in. Okay.
0: Are we ready? Get my notes. It's a French film. Edit it in. Leave my notes. bear with me a second. Well, you, I'll, oh, you find your notes while I talk, okay? Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm going to play the thing. hello and welcome to um the brand spanking new um i'm it's called it's changed name now by the way guys do you know this right oh, you're the first to know this so the podcast is now called i don't want to talk alone because i've oh. been going off off topic quite a lot obviously the intention for this in the first place was to have it as a uh, somewhat of a film podcast <laughs> which we are going to talk about today, but um, I uh, I've decided to change the name to be more accommodating to the fact that sometimes it will be I don't want to watch alone, sometimes it will be I don't want to listen alone. But today, welcome to the first edition of I don't want to, what was it again? Talk alone. See, it's not <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not my brain yet. I don't want to talk alone. So, because I don't want to talk alone, today I have two very special guests, very dear to my heart, guys. Can you see my cat in the background of the zoom there? I can
0: so see good. your cat. Can you can you see my poster?
1: I can see your poster. Yeah, that's very good. Um, you you, you maybe you talk a little closer to the mic. You it feels like you're far away. Oh, I can be much closer to the mic if necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You looked very cool with your poster behind you. Thank anyway, you. so I'm going to do the rounds, and from from my zoom, you're at the bottom there, um, brother. So the first guest I want to introduce is um, Jakob Klotz, also known as Jake Kautz. um, my eldest brother. Hello, Jake. Hello, Jordan. Great. Uh, what t-shirt are you wearing there, Jakey? Your Agnes father t-shirt. Yeah, Jake, it's a sound medium. You're going to have to say oh, out it's, it. Oh, it says, it says Agnes father but it's a mirrored image.
0: So it's it not mirrored on mine. Seng, Senga
1: Atarav. It actually says it front-facing front, front facing on mine. Okay. So it's good. Agnes father. Agnes father. very good. Um, so Jake is here, and um, he's a returning guest. You've been once or twice? There's a Lost episode as well. Twice, there's a Lost episode. Okay, are you including the Lost episode in the Twice? Yes. Okay, cool, very good. Um, and so welcome back, Jake. Thank you he's he's a man of few words um and the other guest today it's a big it's a big get um is the man <laughs> who um was 50 percent of what what borned me i think that's the expression um and that is my father my papa um
0: andrew kautz hello hello and um i don't have a t-shirt on but i do have a Yeah, I did ask you to put some clothes on during the Zoom, but you refused. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. You said it wasn't visual, so... Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, you know, I'm not wearing any trousers under here, so... Oh,
0: I'm not wearing trousers either.
1: Jake, you wearing trousers? (laughs) Yes. Old one out. Don't know why you'd embarrass yourself like that. Um, Anyway, so we're here today um, to talk... Well, basically, I want to start this new strand of this podcast. As I'm revamping the podcast, it's all getting quite exciting. Um, I've got some very exciting stuff lined up, um, stuff that isn't even about film or music. Um, some interesting stuff with Issa coming up. But for now, for this newest part of this rebrand, it's also, it's, I don't want to talk alone with Jordan Counts because I'm putting myself at the front and center, right? Because I'm the personality, right? I want you to, sort of like, bounce off of me, guys. And
0: now bouncing. you're front and centre.
1: Le- exactly.
0: front and center you are top left with me,
1: but that's sort of front and centre. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, so this is me. This is me exposing myself to the world and throwing it, my It is exposed.
0: You are exposing. You are yeah, again, exposing.
1: again, I think my, tam- my camera tilted down a little bit, and you can see that I am not wearing trousers. Um, but anyway... Um, so this is the newest strand and I want to talk about, um, favorite films and films that have had a large influence on people. So it's maybe the film that, the film that influences you most or the film that speaks to you most in the world. Um, and for this, uh, occasion, I let my father, it's sort of like, it's sort of like when you're a kid and, um, the oldest person gets to go first. Um, yeah, yeah. so you get to go first um which means obviously I'll get to go last which will be never I guess um unless I like I do a final episode of the podcast but that seems a bit finite um anyway so you get to go first Andrew thank you so I'll let you say the film that you've picked for today's
0: um podcast well that's interesting so I have to say something first I will tell you about the film and it is my favorite film of all time and there's a slight anomaly here Because for ages, I was nagging to come on the podcast. I know how difficult it is to get on this podcast and how many (laughs) celebs you've got lined up for it. Yeah. I understand that. I was promised I was going to appear on the Seinfeld version of the podcast, the Seinfeld edition. So I've got all my Seinfeld notes with me. I watched every season back to back for the last week. Mm -hmm. And then I come on today and you say, you've got to pick your favourite film. Yeah, yeah. Um, That was a little unfair of me. A little unfair But you will see, you can't see, well, you can see, but the people listening can't see that behind me is a clue to my favourite film, my favourite film of all time since I was knee-high to a grasshopper or at least since I was late teens, early 20s. is The Graduate and uh, it is my absolute favourite film of all time. The proof being, I'm sitting in the TV room at home and without having to have altered the background at all, literally in the background behind me, is a poster of The Graduate, not the original, this is the remake poster. I think we um, call which, it a re-release. That's the one, you know <laughs> more about films. But uh, it was it was legitimately stolen to me, if that's not a contradiction in terms, um, from uh, the Comedia, formerly known as the Comedia, um, <laughs> in, uh, in, in Central Brighton.
1: It yes. Used to be
0: on their wall and now it's online.
1: Yes. Um what he's referring to is the fact that um a little insider knowledge when you work at a cinema sometimes you take posters home um so i took that graduate poster because there was the re-release for the 50 50 year anniversary back in 2017 50 is that right yeah, yeah.
0: 1967 was that was the film
1: yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah so, made about 50
0: years so.
1: yeah 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 if we could all come to that conclusion together that's really great three minds um <laughs> But yeah, so I I uh, I, nab, I nabbed that for you, Pa, and you got it nicely framed and put in your uh, what, what room did you call that?
0: TV room. I like to call it den, play room, play room. When children were little, Um It's my it's my, <laughs> my graduate man-kay. room. It's your graduate room. What's it's your my man-kay? graduate room? I I also have in here a statue of Dustin Hoffman. Uh huh. Um, a, a model of an alpha male spider. Uh huh. And, um, um, well, we won't talk about it yet, but my favourite, um, what do you call it when someone has a little role, cameo role, my, my little doll of my favourite cameo person appearance in the film as well. It's, it's basically my graduate studio.
1: You haven't mentioned um, the, uh, the bust that you have. of the, the bust of Anne Bancroft. Oh, the bust of <laughs> Anne
0: Bancroft. The size <laughs> bust. I mean, I didn't, I didn't steal her bust off her dead body. I'd like to make that clear. What do you mean? LAUGHTER <it? laughs> What you mean is a a bust as in a sculptural type bust. A sculpture of her bust. Yes, yes. Are we going to just talk about Hank Bancroft's bust?
1: No, 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 no. We'll move on to uh, more specifics. Um, So I think uh, what I want to do first is the rounds. Um, So I want to ask you... when you first heard of the film, how you first came across it, where you first saw it, etc. And obviously we'll start with you, Andrew. Um,
0: okay.
1: And then we'll move on to Jacob.
0: Well, I, I suppose. And I also uh, be
1: aware that I'm going to con- consistently interrupt you.
0: Feel free to do so. You are a host. I have no choice. Um, but you could mute me. You could do all sorts of things, but I, I will stop your five pound a week spending money. If you do. <laughs> um, now, uh, basically probably when I was in my late teens I was born in 64 so I'm gonna say I probably saw it in in 81 82 at 17 18 years old and I was completely taken by it so much so that uh, back in those days it wasn't so easy to get DVDs no Netflix and all that shit obviously so it's um, really it hard it to get like 10, very hard to get if we'd have only invented <laughs> back then we'd be millionaires yeah but Oh, I am. But anyway, that's for another another, uh, another podcast. But um, um, <laughs> but um, don't tell Joel that. He's not on the podcast. He, he doesn't need to know that. Um, Jesus Christ. Basically. basically <laughs> so, uh, early day. 80s. But I liked it so much. I was so proud of myself. I, I, I recorded it on video off the telly. And I watched it nine times in the space of a month. To the point where... Jay, Jay, think- Jay,
1: Jay, do the maths there. I can see your brain working out. Well, that's like every three days in a bit. Every three yeah. and a bit days. That's incredible. Every three yeah. and a bit days. It depends. If it's a February, it's pretty much every three days.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say which month I started it, but but what's interesting was it got to the point where I could watch it with the volume off and just about shout out every line. Very good. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. But the reason I don't want to get into the big debate now, I'm going to get into the big debate soon, but without telling you what I think the film is about. As a sort of 18 to 22-year-old, whatever, I didn't fall in love with the film because I had fantasies about older women, if that's what people think the film is about, if they think it's about the middle-aged woman, bored middle-aged woman seducing the young student or the student being fascinated with the middle-aged woman. I mean, we've all had crushes on our mum's friends. I'm sure you two have over the years. You don't need to name them on the podcast. But (laughs) I actually i i actually i actually don't think that that is the real theme of the film not for me it's a side issue it's a distraction it's a red herring
1: wow look at this mr film critic over here oh god yeah amazing (laughs) um did you you still had that video in our video collection as a child No, when i was a child you kept that video
0: yeah i've got it twice i had the original video that you probably saw when you were a child and a few years ago a friend of mine at work who knew I love the film, didn't know I had the video and bought me another copy, so I'm pretty sure I've got two I'm talking about the recording from the TV. Oh, the recording from the TV? I've still got, with, with home videos and yeah, things, I'm sure it's still there. Um, it, it will be buried with me one day. So.
1: Yeah, so will my
0: <laughs> uh, scary movie. This podcast.
1: <laughs> this podcast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, would you would you do me a favour? Would, would you also bury Anne Anchor, Cross Bust with me as well? Because yeah, of course, naturally, nice. yeah um so yakov
1: jacob um when did you first encounter this this beloved flick i've had a few minutes to think about this so that's nice yeah um, yeah, yeah he really went off on one didn't he he really did um but that's a side issue um <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, i fine. i think it was <laughs> i think it was probably around the same age um so probably about 10 or so years ago. I don't know. When did somebody buy you the DVD? Me? My copy? Oh, was it your copy? I don't know. I watched the DVD at some point. Yeah, but I would great. say that it was probably around the time that I was in university, maybe towards the end of it.
0: Sure, sure. So around the same age. It's, it's been probably... in university so many times. That could be any year over the last <laughs> 10 or 12. That's a little dig at Jake there for... Um... Going to uni too much. <laughs> Going to uni too much, yeah.
1: Being too educated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a piece of shit. Um, he, took,
0: he, took, he just took the title of the film, Seriously, The Graduate, and he thought, if I go to college as many times as possible, get as many degrees as possible, I'll be the graduate. I guess, or yeah, one, yeah, of, yeah. one of my <laughs> mum's friends will have sex with me. <laughs> <laughs> Which one was it, Jake? I mean, I won't tell It's only on the podcast. Jesus. God, I'm glad
1: this isn't a visual medium. could be it's been recorded um anyways um so yeah i probably watched it around the same age
0: sure
1: i think that's the time to watch it well anytime's a good time to watch it i watched it a little before you guys then in terms of my age because um i probably well you got five years on me then jake so i would have been five years before that did we watch it together we would have watched it around the same time for sure. Mm. See, because I think I had the benefit of getting into films at a, a much younger age than you, and yeah. you got into films, I guess, around the same time I did. But yeah. you're obviously five years older than me, so you have that five year handicap. Exactly. Mm. That's what yeah, I like. Is to handicap think it is, it is handicap good or bad?
0: Uh, it bad? Depends which way you look at it, but. I'm interested in this five-year thing because so far we've done more maths than talk about the film. There's a lot of a lot of talk about five. Seven, anyway, I was five, quite. And, I was. Yeah. It
1: was one of one of the early films that I think influenced my film taste, um, and it means a lot to me. It seems like it's a film that means a lot to all three of us, and we have all seen it countless times. Right?
0: Oh golly. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. At least twice. <laughs> oh I'm I'm in the 20s I I've seen it
1: uh I've probably seen it about 15 times I reckon when I was watching it earlier yeah 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 yeah. when I was watching it earlier today um all of the lines just rolling around in my head like I knew even you know when you know like the cadence of how people talk in a movie you know exactly you don't just know the line you know exactly how it's going to be delivered like that, that this movie is one of those ones that's like so seared into my brain
0: I, I totally agree. And what, what's interesting, because I did watch it again recently with, with, with Jake and uh, uh, his wife, Christina, actually. Um, and uh, I'm saying that like people who listen to the podcast won't know who Christina is. But anyway, there you go. Um, you but, think but I don't have outreach outside of my friends? <laughs> oh, I think you've got massive outreach. Oh, my goodness me. Uh, uh, bigger than BT's open reach. Outreach everywhere. Uh-huh. But um, um, But seriously, I know what you mean, because... I kept coming up with exactly what you're saying. I knew what was going to happen next. I knew how it was going to happen. But having not watched it for a few years, I got the lines slightly muddled up this time. I knew roughly the line, but not quite the right words. Or I had a line in slightly the wrong place. Or I was waiting for a line to happen, but actually it was a minute later that that happened. Mr. Robinson, you were
1: trying to seduce me, right?
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, as I said, that's not what the film is about. But, but obviously that's one way <laughs> You've picked, that's interesting, you've picked on that as one of the most famous lines, Mrs. Robinson, you're, you know, you're, 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 uh, uh, you're trying to seduce me, mm. uh, is one of the most famous lines, it's a line that stands out, so like whereas to me, the thing that stands out the most, if I could pick just one line, is actually the repetition of a word, and it's when Benjamin Braddock is banging on the windows of the Presbyterian church, right at the end, and he's just screaming, "Plastics, <laughs> plastics, plastics!" <laughs> plastics is early on. Plastics is great. Plastics is what a father like me wants all their sons to hear. They want one of their friends to grab hold of their son and say, "I'm going to give you a career in," and in that case, as you say, plastics, amazing. So um, they want any of you into plastics? I think that was kind of, had
1: a boom around that time. I don't think plastics are considered very cool anymore.
0: No, no. um, My my uh, favourite line
1: personally, um, you might remember this one, is um, one of the characters says, uh, yes, and it just really stuck with me.
0: Classic line. I don't know how the writers came up with that because it's never been used in a movie before speaking of the writers um i want to sort of I, I
1: do have a sort of narrative for us to follow but speaking of the writers i did want to mention buck henry who um, oh. was um uh what's the word i'm looking for he was like a very key figure in this era of the new hollywood cinema obviously the graduate comes at the end of the 1960s 1967 when there was a massive change going on in Hollywood, and uh, Buck Henry was one of the one of the one of the best writers of the era, I'd say. Um, and he makes an appearance in the movie. Do you know what he who he appears as in the movie?
0: No, who does he appear? I know he died not long ago. I think he died during COVID, if I remember correctly. I don't know if yeah, was that was a bell,
1: actually. He plays the hotel guy, the hotelier. Oh,
0: of course he yeah, does. Yes. Yes, 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 uh, at the at the, uh, the Taft Hotel. Yes, exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, yes. But anyway, so I have, a, I have some sort of like trajectory I want to follow, and I just want to talk a little bit about the background of the movie, especially about uh, Mike Nichols, and then maybe we can sort of go into talking about the movie, not necessarily scene by scene, but play by play kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Go for it. You're in
0: charge. You're the podman.
1: I'm the pod man,
0: Jake. It does make me,
1: it does make me a little disconcerted that I keep not seeing you. I just feel like you're not there, you know. I'm
0: here. I I can see Jake. Uh, sorry, I can see Jordan, but all I see for Jake is iPhone seven. He hasn't. I know. Gone. It's like it's, it's it's a it's a shot of his phone from about five years ago. Yeah, I know. It's, it's very. I felt like job. Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah,
1: I saw the other guy, Steve Jobs. Um. Anyway, so I want to talk is. about Mike Nichols a little bit.
0: Oh golly, yes.
1: Um, so obviously Mike Nichols directed this movie um, and he was most famous before this for his um, his comedy. He had a sort of sketch comedy stuff and other comedy bits with uh, Elaine May, who directed The Heartbreak Kid. You know that one, Andrew? Uh, I don't know. The f- I know the name of the film, but I don't know. the. F- That's right up your alley. You should definitely watch The Heartbreak Kid, right, Jake? Oh, yeah, definitely. Right it's like a very you movie. I think it has a very similar energy in parts to The Graduate, you know, obviously because Elaine May and Mike Nichols have a similar sensibility, even though they started together in comedy, they have a lot of crossover, obviously, in their interests. And they, they've they written that she wrote some of his more serious movies as well. Uh, years later, I think she wrote The Birdcage, maybe. Was that him? Um, but anyway, so um, Jewish comedic sensibilities, right? That's what I'm talking about coming into The Graduate, which is something I think... Is very interesting to talk about in terms of this movie because obviously it's not a comedy, but it's like it's packed to the brim of like comedic moments of, um, you know, awkwardness and general sort of like anxiety stuff that revolves a lot around Jewish comedy. I mean, Mike Nichols was born uh,
0: Igor Mikhail Peshkovsky, you know? He's he's and a, a Jew. lot of Jews changed their names. I, I'm not surprised he changed his name because yeah. that would have been somewhat confusing. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, he's he's a guy who had
1: first hand experience of the effects of persecution of the Jews in World War II. Like he moved to America from Germany because his you know, because his family were being persecuted, like as a child. Um so I think I wanted to sort of open a conversation to you two, especially being an elder Jew yourself, and obviously Jake, you Thank been, you. Oh, <laughs> you being a younger Jew. Um, just about The Graduate as a Jewish text, because um, I think it's something that it's not really talked about that much just because of how much The Graduate is influential in terms of the new wave of American cinema at the time and kickstarting someone like Dustin Hoffman's career. But people don't necessarily often talk about it in terms of Jewishness. And I think it's very interesting because the original book, Written by Charles Webb. Um, have you either of you read the book?
0: The book, the yeah, graduate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yes. So, um, the in original, originally in the book, he's he's a blonde, you know, handsome, yuppie type, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But in the film, obviously they've cast a very nebbish handsome, obviously, but you know he's coded as an awkward. You know, teen like you know, not late teenager into his early twenties. Like he is the embodiment of something that I think is kind of specific to um, to Jewish sensibilities. And I wondered if either of you wanted to speak on that.
0: Well, that's interesting because I, it's not an angle. I didn't. I didn't know we were going to talk about this angle, but I think it's quite interesting because I didn't real- I've never realized that. I've never put the Jewish bit on this film. Mm. Because, obviously, we know Dustin Hoffman is Jewish. Yes. But, first of all, Elaine Robinson and her family are not. So as I said, it's Presbyterian Church. is obviously very different. Mm. And with the name Benjamin Braddock, I, I wouldn't associate Braddock with being a particularly Jewish surname, you'd have thought they might have chosen Cohen or Goldberg or something yeah, if yeah, they yeah. wanted to make things more obvious. Although I obviously think of Dustin Hoffman as... Uh, uh, Jewish I don't think of the Braddock family necessarily as Jewish and that's the first time you've put that into my head.
1: Mm. Well, interestingly and I was reading about this earlier the I think the casting of him by Mike Nichols may have been slightly purposeful in that way but the reception to it was incredibly bad <laughs> And let me just read you these two things, one from Life Magazine, one from Time Magazine. So Life Magazine, the piece was headlined, a swarthy Pinocchio makes a wooden roll reel. If mm-hmm. Dustin Hoffman's face were his fortune, he'd be committed to a life of poverty with a schnoz that looks like a directional signal. Jesus. And then Time Magazine um, said Hoffman had a nose like a 1948 Chevrolet.
0: Yeah bit harsh
1: this is coming from a larger nosed man yourself there andrew is this uh
0: i I do have a good sized schnodder um (laughs) and i'm i'm proud of it um but um but that's what i'm saying i i i didn't realize are you saying that the braddock family are supposed to be sort of a progressive reformy sort of jewish family that's that's
1: how i i read it you know i always recognized that as when i was younger i thought and obviously learning i've learned a lot more about mike nichols and elaine May for the past few years and it would make sense knowing who they are and their history that he would have taken it in this direction especially having read the book how it differs yeah i think that um i think that casting of him because i think one of the original people that they thought it might be was robert redford and obviously it would have been a totally different film yes it not only in the fact that obviously there's no geosensibility with that whatsoever yeah but also his nebbishy awkwardness Mm -hmm. his affair with mrs robinson would be almost totally different i think Mm -hmm. if it wasn't um Dustin Hoffman he has he has those qualities about him that although contrary to what I just read he's clearly a very handsome guy yes. he goes he goes very small in that role um, mm-hmm. he's I, this is, is not a visual medium but he does that with his shoulders you know a little bit like um Ben Stiller does in meet the parents it so, does um, it does make me think of that i think that is somewhat of an influence that movie this movie is an influence on that in a lot of ways yeah yeah uh, but i think just f- probably through dustin hoffman himself and probably through mike nichols and his own sensibilities i do think there's sort of a not necessarily to the family but to himself mm-hmm. a sort of jewish undertone and some of the comedy and the way that the sort of patter of it and stuff. And my two favorites, one of them being where they're at the hotel and he hasn't given her the room number. Um, yeah. And, and the other one where he keeps turning the lights up. <laughs> um, but well, I don't know, to me there's a sort of very due sensibility
0: about this. Thing. I see, that's different. I can get the bit where they wouldn't have wanted a Robert Redford, like the sort of good-looking blonde or whatever in the book, because it does change the role. But to me, they've chosen a Dustin Hoffman-type character. You see, when we talk about it a bit more, I see some similarities between this and one of my other favourite films, Goodbye Columbus, which was made a couple of years later. And in Goodbye Columbus... Um, they, they they make it very obvious that it, it's, it's a young Jewish guy. In fact, I think it's a young Jewish girl as well. It's a rich Jewish girl and a poor Jewish guy who meets and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I won't yeah. distract with that. This time. Yeah, but they use, <laughs> but in the same way that they use the sort of awkward Dustin Hoffman type character, uh, Richard Benjamin, who plays that character, if you like in Goodbye Columbus, is also this very similar sort of awkward type character sort of good-looking if you look at him the right way, not so good-looking if you look at him in the wrong way. And it's the same what you're saying there about Dustin Hoffman. There's a lot of people who would, and probably still would today, uh, find Dustin Hoffman attractive. There's a lot of other people who would find him as a funny little, oddly-looking, as you say, large nose, very Jewish-looking, yeah. but boring kind that of... That was also role. of the
1: time, wasn't it? Because he, him in that role, came before a lot
0: of the others,
1: like... Yeah, Elliot Gould um, Mm -hmm. and and other people like that who started to become stars. I believe that he was quite early on in that before there was even, you know, with women and Barbara Streisand, um, Jewish people looking Jewish on the screen. Yeah. Uh,
0: Fair fair enough. And he does look very Jewish. I just, the reason, it's really fascinating what you're saying because with, with the parents in the film, with his parents, Mr and Mrs Braddock, to me, I don't get any Jewishness of them at all, especially the mother. I can sort yeah. of see a little bit of American Jewish sort ofness with the father, yeah, but I certainly not mother. with the mother. Um, but it's interesting because also one of the things I'm sure we'll talk about is you know, about, about you know what happens in the film is if you're right and they are supposed to be Jewish, it kind of adds an extra special angle to what happens in the film and how the film climaxes where he's pulling her away from being married at the Presbyterian church. Mm-hmm. It, adds, it adds a further angle to it. If you're insisting that he's Jewish, maybe maybe his father's supposed to be Jewish and, and his mother isn't and he's had a sort of part Jewish background or, or something like that upbringing. But uh, that's, that's a good shout.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting just because of the history of Jews in film at this point, which I think me and you touched upon, Jake, in our previous episode. Um, which i'm sure you listened to thoroughly before this one andrew right um I,
0: I i i have not listened to any of the previous uh, podcasts in this series because i didn't want to um you know cheat and i just wanted to be natural and not try and you know act in a way that would um you know influence me
1: uh, in, in this Uh, This reminds me very much of the text that mum sent me that one time when I said, have you listened to the podcast? And she simply replied, no. And then she said, (laughs) we didn't send that. (laughs)
0: Harsh, harsh, harsh. Very harsh. But yeah, so
1: um, we talked about that in that previous episode, how there was this earlier trend to sort of de texts that were originally Jewish or had Jewish underlinings, you know, and things like this um, in Hollywood. And then obviously... Post World War Two, there started to be more roles for, or stories about Jewish people, but then they would cast actors that weren't Jewish in the roles, such as um, what's this? What's the guy in To Kill a Mockingbird called again? The Gregory, Gregory Peck, for example, not a Jew. Yeah. He played a Jew in a very famous thing, that film about the persecu- persecution of the Jews. The name of the film escapes me now, but anyway. So I think what Mike Nichols did, or who, the casting agent whoever it was in this movie what they did was a very bold thing and a very interesting thing which was to like resemitize a text that wasn't intended to be so in the first place and whether it's as outright as you're saying where it's like oh this is the fact it is something you can read as a subtext to the whole thing um which i think definitely gives the film an extra layer for sure
0: yeah that's good stuff
1: yeah absolutely um, yeah. No, please go ahead. I was just, no, I was just going to say when the film started and they were introduced. I, whenever they first introduced the name Braddock, I thought, "Oh, that's not a Jewish name." I was <laughs> expecting because in my mind, I I remember thinking of it as quite Jewish. So then when that happened, I was like, "Oh, hmm, well,
0: maybe not." But but also they didn't drop any hints. You don't, as you know, you see the inside of the Braddock's house. You see a bedroom. You see the kitchen a couple of times you know there's no Jewish ornaments or you know there's nothing to give away anything Jewish there at all. I think that can also be sort
1: of read if you want to take it that way as um, not a rejection of the Jewishness but like because they're assimilating into this community that you know they're friends with the Presbyterians and all these other like you know the the wide amount of like up middle class christians and things like this in terms of like you know like the jewishness on screen that even today and probably even more so back in 1967 there are things that are extremely jewish like seinfeld or even the show the goldbergs which are clearly jewish have jewish characters and still don't write in what is you know like they they don't make it clear um, something like the Goldbergs, they're the Goldbergs, they're a Jewish family. Yeah. They honestly do not mention Judaism. Maybe not even entirely in the first series. There's a Hanukkah episode, but it's maybe a dozen episodes before anything's mentioned about the fact that they're actually Jewish. And the same with Seinfeld. Okay, Jerry Seinfeld is clearly Jewish himself, but everything about that is Jewish and they don't want yeah. to make something. And maybe with Mike Nichols himself and somebody who obviously had to um as you say like he he, he was assimilating himself yeah he changed his but neck. obviously but obviously still had those Jewish sensibilities about him it, it would make sense i guess in a way to be showing those you know like as a sort of subtext if that's the right word to use in the film rather than like being overt about it well that's the thing because the comedy the comedy i think is the main aspect that makes it as jewish yeah. as it is. and because mike nichols and elaine may were the forerunners of american jewish comedy in the 50s and 60s they are the influence for all of those things you know like i don't think jerry seinfeld would be the the comedian he is without that influence etc uh andrew you seemed like you wanted to make a point on top of that
0: as well yeah, no, all, all I was saying, I said it's the first time that I've thought about genocide <coughs> when you said it. But could it just be that Webu wrote the book? He was from he he graduated, I think, from a very anti-Semitic college. And could it just be not that Nichols was trying to make this a really Jewish thing, but by throwing in, he wanted this awkward character, funny little Jewish man, awkward character kind of thing, Dustin Hoffman, maybe just by dropping hints, just by getting away from that blonde surfer type. Mm-hmm. And I believe his other choice for the role was actually Charles Brody, yeah. um when he couldn't decide between, you know, who, who he wanted sort of for the role. Yeah. And so I get what you're saying, but to me, it's almost like he's thrown in a little question. It's got us debating it. He's thrown in a little question about it without ever, during the whole film, drawing any reference to it. Whereas, as Jake was just talking about there, about Seinfeld, maybe have a slow build up to the fact, oh yeah, there's a few Jewish people in this, but they were never gonna hide it. And just the fact that Jerry Seinfeld used his real name and, and his real personage, if mm-hmm. you like, they were never gonna hide it. At some point, they decided to make more of it during, during the season. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I, I just think it's, in my opinion, it's only my opinion, it's nothing more than a subtle hint and it suits the character and it suits Nichols' background, as you've said, and perhaps a little contradictory to the book and Webb's background.
1: Well, I mean, that's, what I, that's what's interesting, though, is what you're saying, is that it suits the character, but it, it completely changes the character from the, the novel, really. Like, yeah. oh, absolutely. It, it very, it's a very
0: an intentional choice, either way. Well, that's also, and although I don't believe this is the main point of the film, I've got a feeling you guys may say it is, it changes that with that awkward character of Hoffman's, it changes the relationship between him and Mrs. Robinson. Because if the graduate would have been cast uh, as some super hunky, sexy, surfy dude, you know, six foot two tall, body of a Greek god carrying oh. a surfboard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> making me sweat uh, over here. There, Jordan. Yeah. Um, but. Um, um you can understand perhaps why the frustrated housewife mrs robinson would be attracted to this super hunk what people often don't talk about is that mrs robinson is apparently attracted to this slightly awkward either arguably nice looking or not so nice looking slightly nervous graduate with not an awful lot going for him really it's like what the heck is she actually attracted to him for? She's supposed to be an attractive sexy woman herself with numerous pairs of stockings as we know. Um, you know she could have gone after any of her friend's sons, but she's chosen Benjamin. I think that's another
1: thing where it's very interesting in sort of ter- terms of like power maybe, in the sense that the reason she would choose someone like him, Again, it just changes like the film it changes the film from what the book was trying to do. I think the film is adding a far more complicated layer to Mrs. Robinson's character in that she is someone who is kind of abusing her power and she sees this guy who is easily taken advantage of, and she's like, I can get something out of this. And she's just so bored that she just wants to try something like that, you know? It doesn't matter who it is, but she knows that. If she goes to this like more nevish guy, she has the control in the situation.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I think her, her actions when, when they first uh, uh, well not when they first meet because she's known him since he was a child. As we as we get to discover, the families have mm-hmm. kind of grown up together. But um, it's premeditated. Her 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 seduction of him um, is is absolutely premeditated. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is no question of it, and her view of what's happening is desperately different from his. Because to me, I mean, I may as well explain what I'm saying now, is that I do not see this film as, and this is not what attracted me to the film, I do not see this film as a tale of seduction. I don't think that's what the film is about. I think it's a red herring. Um, Okay, there's an angle about Mrs Robinson, this frustrated middle-aged woman who's husband's just working or drinking whiskey and she's very bored and her daughter's gone off to college and she's got nothing else to do she's got loads of money in a big house but not got any excitement in her life and she sets out to seduce Benjamin I, I get that <laughs> but I do not think that that is what the film is about to me the film is a love story the film is a love story oh, <laughs> me and Jake, Jake who just like tug their heads like ah. Huh?
1: because <laughs> I don't think that's what the film is about but what you're about to say sounds like I don't think that's what this is about either but go sorry continue
0: well I mean no I can save it can I can I carry on yeah keep going keep
1: going uh, go on. yeah I'm, go on. I'm a
0: podcast virgin I don't know how it works but um basically um no the film to me it's a love story it's a love story between Benjamin and Elaine it's a love story that's been going on since they were kids remember they knew each other when they were kids just like my kids I've got three sons as you know and you know, we've had handsome family sons. friends. Sorry,
1: handsome sons.
0: Oh God, I forgot that Handsome goes without saying. They, they're they're all like Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> some, some have got bigger noses than others. <laughs> exactly. But but of, of my three sons, you know, we grew up with friends, families, friends who had daughters of of similar ages, and you always thought, wonder if any of them will, a, 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 you know, will um, uh, end up together. One of you nearly nearly ended up with Sophie Hall, for example. But um, you know, well. Well, they're both giggling there. But what what I'm saying is, is that the Benjamin-Elaine thing has been destined for the best part of 20 years, certainly since they were probably seven, eight, nine years old or something like that. So certainly 12 or 13 years or something like that. There is already something between Benjamin and Elaine. There is is no question that is there. This film is a love story and Mrs. Johnson just goes out to wreck it.
1: I couldn't disagree more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I mean, obviously we'll come to the conclusion of the film when we come to the conclusion, but I feel mm-hmm. like even if that's what it sets it up as, I feel like ultimately it knocks it down with one of the most, like, uh, I th- I, for me, a very gut-wrenching ending. Um, uh, Jake, I feel like maybe you agree?
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting because obviously
1: I've watched it maybe ten percent as much as 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 you guys have so maybe, maybe I'm missing something but with the sort of predestined thing that you just said I uh, you know as I said I've, I've only watched it a few times but when I watched it the last time in my mind when they went on that first day obviously partly he didn't want to do it because of the awkwardness of what was going on with her mum. but I kind of just read it as... I didn't really want to do it anyway, but they ended up, ended up getting on very well. But having said that, they do jump from having a good time one evening to him, well, him deciding that he's going to marry her unbeknownst to anybody else, including so her,
0: uh,
1: very quickly. What I think I'm just... going
0: to marry Elaine Robinson. Yeah, okay. one of the... Uh... Nice. what well,
1: i think this is all pointing to which i think is a very important topic to broach is benjamin Braddock as a character is a very unlikable really obviously there are aspects that um i think obviously all of us have been young jewish men of that age <laughs> um so there's lots obviously lots of things you recognize in yourself about that and i feel like Early on, when I first had my first relationship with the film, I saw, I saw a bit of myself in him. I think that's what drew me to the movie. But Roger Ebert, famously, was a big fan of the film when it first came out and said that he really related to the character. And when he went back to it 20, 30 years later, he was like, I like this film a lot still, but I got it all wrong. Like, Benjamin Braddock is not a hero, you know? He is a selfish pathetic little man and that's what he is and I feel like that's what comes out at the end of it is like we're all sort of pathetic selfish little men but I don't think he has the redeeming qualities that either of us three have he is someone who is following his selfishness throughout the whole movie you know every move he makes he may um he may uh pass it off as him trying to do the right thing but ultimately, I think what that ending says is he's just going to keep doing this. You know, he will make decisions that are ultimately very selfish and they're not going to pan out and he's going to hurt people in the process.
0: Well, I can't agree with that at all. You see, I think <laughs> one of the clues, one of the clues early on is um, if you remember early on, Mr. Robinson, it, it says that Elaine's coming down from from Berkeley and uh, he's suggesting that Benjamin calls her up. Now, you can look at that two ways. Does he suspect that Mrs. Robinson may be up to something dodgy and he'd prefer Benjamin to be chasing after his daughter than his wife? But, you know, I don't know. But um, it's almost like Mr. Robinson, somehow he's got a little bit more to do with this than you think. And and he's trying to create that fate that perhaps existed from, from, uh, you know, years before. Um, And I think that if you look at it this way from Elaine's point of view, remember the first dates they go on, he drives like a lunatic to this um, sort of um, nightclub with women with boobs and tassels. And the poor Elaine Robinson is subjected to this woman literally standing behind her head, swirling her boobies around with little tassels on, virtually blinding her in the eye. And she goes out like, almost like screaming kind of thing. But within minutes, She's kind of forgiven Benjamin, who explains his erratic behaviour, his confusion, having just graduated, and he doesn't know what he wants to do with his life, and he's really sorry, and everything else. And they warm to each other so quickly. There is a thread there. There is a thread of warmth, friendship and eventually love in my opinion that that is there very early on even after that horrific I, first i think
1: everything you're saying like the rug is pulled out from and that's what it makes you think but the rug is pulled out by that ending it's i think it seals the deal that everything this guy does is pure selfishness. And I want to come back to the novel because the base text is about a much more horrible man. Like they make him a lot softer in the movie and a lot, a lot more likable, but I think in a, just an insidious way where you think he's nicer than he is. And then by the end, you realize he is a selfish guy who's doing things for selfish reasons. And he's sort of like almost like an anti, not even an anti-hero would be wrong to call him even a hero. He's just a guy, you know?
0: I, I don't know I, I don't know because um there's 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 I, I i i just you know we're seeing it from different angles and i just don't i want to i want to get into the very end in a minute but jake please what have you got to add? um
1: they're both both of those things are interesting because i can i can see them both to different extents as i say like a I hadn't really thought of anything previous to that. And I would have thought that Mr. Robinson's intentions were kind of, obviously Mr. Robinson's quite a well-to-do guy. He has a daughter of a certain age. He knows that Benjamin Braddock's from what he'd describe as good stock. You know, like he likes the family and they're wealthy. And if, he, if his daughter's going to be set up with anyone, why, why not have it be? You know somebody who he's very comfortable with and their family, etc., and knows that even if he's drifting at the time, um he sees that he'll, you know, he's set up to be successful in a way and she'll be all right out of that. Um but I yeah I do agree that he isn't really a hero. He it is I think as the film wears on in particular, like in in that beginning I think that you can sympathise with him a bit, um, you know, and that's one of the things that I said earlier about watching it at that time in your life, if you come out of university. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way. Of for a lot of people, that's the end of their education, the education they've been in for almost twenty years, that whole life, and that whole the first, yeah, the, the whole yeah, the whole life that they've been mm-hmm. conscious of, really. And he um, gets to the point where you go, oh "Bloody hell, like, I need to." do something now and how do you know what to do and he's he's very much in that um and maybe his character as well oh god I'm gonna cough (laughs) edit that out um (laughs) um, I'll bleep it out yeah bleep it out (laughs) Um, but you know in in the beginning as well his character yeah you have a bit of sympathy for that and his directionlessness and his parents do as well a little bit you know they're kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt oh you have the summer off you know he kind of deserves it he's he's worked hard to this point and they they, they don't want to push him um but they start to start to lose that sympathy with him yeah and i think you do as well as he continues to drift um and i think as a piece of film the way it's made there's a lot of drifting that goes on which oh. is very nicely done. Yeah, we haven't even talked obviously about obviously formal elements of this movie. Aided though. by the, the soundtrack, but you know, you you see Benjamin even from that beginning scene where he's on the, the do you call that a travelator? I'd call it a travelator, personally. And he and he's drifting and all the people are passing him. I think that was a very nice opening. Um to because that's what the film is kind of from right to left as well, which also feels like a going backwards almost, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I thought you were that's gonna, that's gonna
1: say feels Jewish. Um yeah, I did fast. think about that so, as well. Sorry, Andrew, you go.
0: But That's the whole point. Remember, he says right at the beginning that he's worried about his future. He hasn't come back from university to be, you know, you're you're pointing him out to be quite a nasty character. And I don't agree. He's come back confused from university. He doesn't know what he wants. He's worried about his future. He does not set out to have an affair with Mrs. Robinson. Absolutely not. It's the last thing on his mind. He's tempted by it. He falls for it. It happens. So, of course, he's culpable. He's he's part of it. He's done a terrible thing. I absolutely get that. But that's not what he set out to do. The only thing in the entire film that he makes a very quick decision on, and that decision gets stronger and stronger and stronger, is... In the short while that he's upset Elaine on that first date, as soon as she comes screaming out of that topless bar, suddenly all he wants is Elaine. Suddenly, the direction he hasn't got in his life, he suddenly realised that's what he's been waiting for for the last 12 or 15 years. That's whatever. what my point is, he is that's Elaine what, Robinson...
1: That's what he thinks he's been waiting for, but then it all falls apart
0: again, you know? No, no, not at all. He'll do... Anything to get her. He takes her away. Remember the guy she's having the date with in the zoo, who it ends up very quickly she's got to get married to, etc. etc. He's the tall, blonde, handsome, whatever, intelligent kind of guy, sort of thing. And Dustin Hoffman gives us all hope. He he (laughs) he takes her away from all that, you know, because he's determined. And the point is, Elaine has got every opportunity to go with the other guy from the zoo. Or to go with any other guy she likes. She's a successful, attractive, wealthy, whatever young woman. She can have lots of, but she also really wants nothing other than Benjamin. Even when he comes and finds her at Berkeley, embarrasses her. She goes up to the room in the, you know where he's lodging. Nothing, nothing will distract her. Looks like she's gonna get distracted, right to the bit where she's in church getting married. But underneath, all she wants is Benjamin Bradley. Old, I old Jewish
1: man yells at cloud energy right now. Um. <laughs> Uh, what I think we've been skirting around which I think we have to address to talk about this properly is the final sequence
0: oh we've disagreed about this before years
1: yeah I know because you're wrong Um, (laughs) (laughs) there's
0: no right or wrong on a podcast
1: (laughs) (laughs) suddenly he's the expert on podcasts Um, I like that this has become somewhat of like a shouting match between us and then Jake's sort of like the moderator Um, so this ending obviously Anyone who's listening to this has probably seen the film, so I'm not going to go the film play by play. But obviously, ultimately, Elaine is going to be marrying another man. He goes to stop the wedding. There's a big hubbub at the church when he goes to stop the wedding. Elaine, Elaine, yeah, Jake. Again, it's it's a it's a. Elaine,
0: yes, exactly. Elaine, Andrew Elaine. understands. Do it with your voice, not
1: your hands. Um, and they run off together, and uh, they get on a bus, and they go and sit at the back of the bus and then they start to drive away, and a happy ending would be what, Jake? Describe what the happy ending of this would be. The happy ending of this would be the for approach. Exactly. The shot would be of them smiling on the back of the bus, holding hands, all happy, right? What happens is... Are you listening, Andrew?
0: I I am absolutely listening.
1: (laughs) What happens is this shot is held for a very long time, an uncomfortable amount of time, and you start to see their emotions change and the elation of the moment starts to disintegrate and I don't think it could be ever clearer than the fact that the fucking sound of silence plays over this image that this is just another one of Benjamin's fuck ups you know it's just another one of his selfish actions that's not going to end well and I think it's talking about I think this whole film as a whole is talking about the the ennui of like a middle class graduate man and how he is born and made into a selfish man and he'll continue to be a selfish man unless he learns otherwise and this this boy this boy ain't learning
0: that's my take well i i can't agree with that now i agree about the music bit because the uh the the sound of science also plays at the beginning when he when he's first landed and he's coming back home after after being a graduate so you could say to help your argument there it it goes full circle you know he starts off as the confused young man and even after all this he's the confused young man back under the sound of silence I get that I'm not saying it's not an angle but it's absolutely not my angle the two of them are so victorious at the end they have so destroyed all these things that were holding them back trying to stand in the way of true love and more sit on there. A love conquers all and love has conquered all and they are sitting there on that bus of course they don't know what to do Everyone stared at them seeing her run in a sort of torn wedding dress and him looking really scruffy and all the people on the bus are looking at them like what the heck's going on here and they run to the back middle of the bus and they're just sort of sitting there they don't know what to say to each other of course they don't who would know what to say in that position other than we've done it we've got where we needed to be we're with one another what happens next how we handle the future goodness knows we are two slightly confused young individuals but we've we've got there it's the most awkward way but we've got there and answer me this then if you're right about your bit yeah why wasn't there a sequel where he messes up again where he, he he messes up you know, say so he gets married to Elaine and then messes that up by having affairs. Or because whatever. the film, the film itself shows that this is what will happen to a man like this. No, 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 no. As you're getting towards that final scene, you'll remember he's desperately searching for where Elaine is getting married. Mm-hmm. The famous scene where he's driving in the spider that his parents have bought him. And he goes to the petrol station and he gets directions. And then, my favorite just a slight distraction my favorite cameo role of Ben Murphy, who for me growing up, I think was Ben Murphy's first ever film role. It was just this little cameo appearance. He's the guy who's shaving in the um, uh, sort of bit where he he goes in the you know, where where the old Maycock Queen's getting married, sort of thing. And um, um, but the way the music, heaters out as the car gradually runs out of steam mm. and then he has to run and the fact he's able to run remember he was a track star at university may have been a funny little bloke with short legs but we were told early on at the beginning he's the track star so he's got the energy and the speed to run to try and get there just in time. That is, that is, that is love. That is not a, that is nothing but love. That is not, I want to wreck the thing. I want to ruin people's lives. I'm not saying
1: it's his intention. I'm saying that he's under that impression. Yes. And ultimately that's what makes this ending even more harrowing is the fact that he thinks that this is the right thing to do all the time, you know, and it never is. Jake, you've, you've been quite quiet on this. Um, yeah, it's funny because I,
0: I I can't say I'm in between.
1: I'm certainly <laughs> leaning more towards what Jordan's saying. But, not offended, not offended. <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness. Because uh, I, I do agree that the, the ending is one of, like, discomfort. And I think that perhaps throughout the film, if you saw a little bit more of Elaine's, character there might be more to say on her part of it but probably the way that I'd read it is yeah on the on the one hand Benjamin is um yeah he's continuing to do these actions that he's not really thinking about the consequences of I've for, for me it wouldn't be that he's desperately in love with her he's just kind of clinging on to whatever his next idea is um, and and running after wow. that more than he's running after her. And from her point of view, I think particularly after obviously what happens with his mum and the the allegations, but probably probably deeper than that is her sense of trying to get away from what everybody thinks is right for her. Um, and she's almost escaping, escaping that. And he's that escape, but that's not the escape she wants. She's she's escaping that situation. Um, but I never throughout the whole film, I don't think I ever get the sense that she is as interested in him as he is in her. And obviously, even him and her, I don't think is really for that, yeah, that reason of love. It's more the it's something. She's escaped one thing that's not good for her, which is marrying this guy. But this yeah,
0: Benjamin's not good for her neither. Well, I don't know how good Benjamin is for her or not, and I, I don't <clears> think that's necessarily relevant. Um, she, she, again, if this guy that she marries would have been forced upon her by her parents, he wasn't. He's someone she met. It's just someone she met. So she doesn't have to escape him. She didn't have to marry him. She could have just stopped dating him. No, she but that my point is that lies like completely.
1: She thinks that this is what she wants, you know, and then she's just as lost as Benjamin, but she's not Mm -hmm. using the same techniques as Benjamin to to, you know, uh, to explore this.
0: Yeah, but there's no one in her life. I know she's quite a young woman, 20 odd years old, but there's nobody in her life whom she identifies with more than Benjamin. Forget everything that's gone on. Benjamin's affair, the marriage, everything else. There's, there's no one else that she wants to be with more in the world than Benjamin. And if the only way to be with him is to run away from the wedding she's just had, then, then fine. If he'd have got there earlier, they never would have got married. And he'd have started, it would have happened before the, 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 the wedding. She loves Benjamin from the minute that he goes on that date with her. There's no question. There's absolutely no question. She doesn't even- This, is, to the most, this is
1: the most um, believable your argument has sounded so far. You've got. You've made a good point here, I think.
0: Remind me of the point then, because I like it if I make a good point.
1: <laughs> yeah. Whatever you just said, it was the first time it resonated with me where I'm like, yeah, uh, it was the fact that um, uh, he's the person she most relates to.
0: Oh, absolutely. And if, I think that's remember- what
1: attracts her to him, but I think- they both have that realisation right at the end where it's like, yes, we're the most similar to each other, but ultimately this is not how it's going to work. Like, this is not going to work. We're both impulsive no, people. They're both impulsive people who have once again made an impulsive decision that's probably not going to pan out very well. And I think that's indicated by the music. You know? I don't think
0: she's impulsive. I'm not even sure he's impulsive. I just think he's... Confused. She decided to get married to this guy like within no time. Of no, course she's impulsive. But this... But this, no, that's because she was confused. This, this <laughs> goes back to the, you've got to get to the center of Love Conquers All. Love Conquers All doesn't matter about the affair with Mrs. Robinson. Doesn't matter that she's got married to this other guy. Doesn't matter the relationship between her parents and everything like that. Nothing matters other than Love Conquers All. And that's what it's about. You, it, 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 uh, okay, it's easy to say this in hindsight, but I'd like to say it's not true. I admit, but I'd like to say that the first time I ever watched the film from the second they reset eyes on each other at 20 odd years old, that they will end up together. It was fate. They were going to end up together from when they were kids. That's what the film is about, in my opinion.
1: I don't I don't you know, that's what's so interesting about this text. It's 50 years old and it's so rich and so dense with stuff to interpret that it's it's kind of makes me sad that they don't
0: make films like this anymore <laughs> oh oh a- a- absolutely absolutely it's a cracking film and, and we mustn't forget that you know there's one thing i think we will agree on because i know when i watched it recently with jake it was something that that he loved and you know i, I totally agree um that there are some the elements boobs. of comedy There, are, what, sorry the boobs the, the, brief, <laughs> the brief flash of boobs, is that what Jake likes? The, br- the brief flash of boobs. No, not. I'm, I'm more a leg man myself, but let's not go there today. Um, but, um, um, you know, what you've thrown the yeah, the comedy, there is some fantastic comedy hidden in the middle of that film. As Jake has said, particularly the sort of toothbrush scene at the hotel. Um, <laughs> a- absol- uh, absolutely. Oh, it's like I, comedy gold.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think it's even hidden. I think it. Um, Part of its heart, it is. A I think it's something comedy. you sort of like. You forget when you think about the graduate, you don't think about it for its comedic moments. But it is, yeah. I mean, obviously, like I've talked about with Mike Nichols' background, like it would be bizarre if he didn't have comedy in his movie. Yeah, like yeah. all the stuff from the hotel, from, and the multiple visits is all hilarious. It's it's genuinely laugh out loud, um, stupid comedy. At it's at its finest. I mean. Um, Everything at that party, as well at the beginning, like all those yeah. like, all niceties with the family friends, like reminds me of my life. <laughs> but like it has that sort of like sense oh, of. cheers! Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you remember the time you made Joss and out in that seat? It's an yeah. idea. It's an idea. Next time people are around. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah.
0: But what's but but um. Uh oh got so excited to throw myself off track there. What's interesting is you're making out Benjamin to be the bad guy, right? That Benjamin's going to destroy everything. Bad guy is strong term. But but hold (coughs) on a second. Who set them up in the first place? Mrs. Robinson. She's a confused but ultimately bad woman because she's happy to destroy her marriage, destroy her friendship, and potentially destroy this young boy's life. She, to me, is the most evil character in, in the film. Secondly, even Mr. Robinson, I feel a bit sorry for him because he doesn't quite know what to do with his life. I don't know whether he's overworked. He's a bit depressed. I I feel for him in that way. But he also doesn't really give his wife a nice life. The only normal people in the whole film of the main characters are Mr. and Mrs. Braddon. They're the only and even they're not quite normal because, as you say, they put upon... Uh, Benjamin in a very unfair way when he comes back, they're trying to show him off to their friends. And wasn't he a wonderful athlete at college and brilliant studies? And he's got well, a great so, like future. Huh? But they're but they're not nasty people. They may be a little bit mollycoddling, but they're not they're not nasty people. And mm. to me, if there's anyone nasty in this film who's ruining things for people and is selfish, it's first of all Mrs. Robinson above anybody else. Hmm. And that's why I think you're being unfair.
1: No, no, because that's the thing as well. It's like, I I love this Benjamin character and he's so dear to my heart, but he's a fuck up and he is. Are we allowed
0: to swear? (laughs) (laughs) I've been holding back from the swear words, but do you think, here's a question for you. I'm not sure I believe this, but it's a question for you. If you just give me a 10% opportunity of being right about my love story bit, you don't have to agree with me, but just, uh-huh. just indulge me for a second. Uh-huh. Could it be that I mean Mrs. That. Robinson is so evil that where I said she could go after anybody for an affair or any of her friends' sons for an affair or something like that, that she purposely picked Benjamin because she knows But she's she's trying to stop Elaine going off with Benjamin before that's even started.
1: Yeah, perhaps. I mean, she she is someone who, yeah, she's she's bored and she's upset with her shitty marriage and she abuses her power. And she, you know, she's not a great woman. But I think, um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. But, you know, there's so much room for interpretation with this film. Well,
0: there is. But if you took a straw poll of 20-odd-year-old graduates, you've both been one, and I'm sure many of your thousands of podcast listeners will have been 20-odd-year-old graduates at some point. But which would you have genuinely preferred? Would you have preferred the short-term, obviously not going to last affair with somebody 25, 30 years older, or would you prefer a real loving relationship with somebody your own age who you genuinely fall in love with.
1: I think that, you now, know, you... now I would have gone for, if you're asking my brain now, if I was that age, I would have gone for the older lady. But at that time, being the romantic that I am and being the romantic that I was and being the type of person that Benjamin is, I would have thought that I wanted that thing that I think is going to last, but it won't last because of my own insecurities, my own selfishness, and I haven't figured out who I am yet. And because of that, the relationship won't last. If you don't know who you are, your relationship won't last. And I think that's ultimately what the ending is also saying. It's like, this guy needs to figure his shit out before he puts himself into other people's lives like this, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: I don't know. I just, I just, you know, I'm not saying I can't see your angle, and I respect your angle on it, especially as the two of you think on that angle. And you, you, you particularly, Jordan, are a proper film buff and film graduate and all that kind of stuff. And I'm a master. A I'm a master of film. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, a, a, a master of your own um, domain, uh, <laughs> yes. you say in Seinfeld world. Uh-huh. But um, um, you know, I think that. Um, you know, it, 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 I, I, I'm willing to understand your angle. I'm willing to see it from your angle, but I don't think I will ever change from seeing it in, from my angle.
1: This is the first time you've ever made this argument where anything you said is sort of like resonated with me. So I'm glad that, um, I'm glad that you've managed to bring something to the table. It
0: was you talking about. <laughs> Wait, wait till I wait till you get me on the Seinfeld one where I reveal that the whole thing is, is actually about uh, something completely different from what you think it is. <laughs> it's a love
1: story. The love story between Gary and Elaine,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's not go there now because we'll start a whole new topic. People are going to be buzzed for the Seinfeld episode. I'll tell you what, there's people tuned in now. We're going to be going, The Graduate's been brilliant. Absolutely. But probably the best, I don't want to listen alone, watch alone. Walk the Dog Alone, whatever you are going to call it, Oh, uh, uh, podcast, idea. but they're buzzed for Seinfeld, so all I can say is, you know, it, 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 I, I may be available, uh, let me have an invitation for the Seinfeld one, and I, I think it will be a, a blockbuster. Amazing. Uh,
1: well, there's two more segments to this that I want to do. Um, one of them, which is, I just want to talk about a couple things more about The Graduate, which is the formal elements and its formal filmmaking in terms of it being was it his was it Mike Nichols first film that he made i should probably have looked this up is it the first film he directed
0: uh, i'm sure Jake's checking that as we speak i'll yeah. fast finger google google there anyway i think it's very
1: interesting in terms of a for, formal film i think it's very easy to take for granted its visual language at this point but i remember even the first time i saw it when i was 14 15 <clears throat> um the the use of depth of field and uh, the blocking of certain scenes was just really amazing to me. And I think after, you know, having studied film for so many years, it's very much, you can see the influence of European art cinema on this film in terms of its formalism. Like I'm sure Mike Nichols is someone who was very much into the arts and things like this. And I'm sure he would have seen the Antonioni movies when they came out and things like this. And I think they had a large impact on this film because obviously thematically, this film is about alienation. It's about, um, you know, not knowing who you are and where you stand in life. And that's all European art cinema is about. It's existentialism 101, you know? And I think lots of the formal elements are very inspired by that period of filmmaking in Europe. And it's very interesting to think of this film as one of the first ones in the um, American new wave of cinema to bring this sort of visual language to American cinema, which had been very static and formal. Obviously, there are films before this that do a bit more with their imagery, but they've all been very static and almost like play-like, you know? So, yeah, I just wanted to point out a couple of the specific moments that I always think about in this movie in terms of the formalism and I think obviously the opening sequence which we've talked about which is a very simple image of right to left which I think can obviously be read as someone who's returning home and I think you know that obviously speaks dividends in itself Um, but the blocking in the following scene when he's at home and he's in front of the fish tank his dad comes in and it's all blurred and uh, and then his mum comes in and it's just like this great use of formalism to express alienation you know uh, Jake is there any other sort of visual aspects of the movie you want to bring to light
0: uh,
1: well as I said before it's sort of just the drifting that's, that's constantly going on mm. the way that a lot of the time whether it's in the pool or other, it's always moving but in a very slow drifty way Mm. like him through the film um which obviously and just generally speaking it's very nicely shot it's yeah it's just it's just a very very well made film those images in the pool the the colors they just don't just don't make film stock like that anymore you know it just looks so beautiful um Uh, Andrew, you won't notice anything formal
0: about the movie you want to talk about? I I I totally agree with you that the way it's filmed is absolutely beautiful, and and, and the the filming almost speaks for itself. Where there's bits where there are just music, like in the pool, you know, there's bits where there is actually nothing spoken, and they use that music, the the Simon and Garfunkel music, they use extremely well, and they tie things together, a bit like we said earlier, um, with the sound of silence playing at the beginning and at the (coughs) end. Um, There's bits where he's in the water, there's a toy in the water or something as well, I can't remember, and then he comes out of the water, you see him having the first part of his affair with Mrs Robinson, and he goes back in the water again, it's the same music, but a more upbeat version of the same music, Um, and, and I think they mix the music with the
1: cinematography. There's that one bit where he jumps out of the pool and that uh, cuts to a shot of him landing in the bed.
0: That's yeah. it. That's it. That's it's it. Incredible. Absolutely. 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 It's 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 brilliantly done. Like uh, it's brilliantly done like that. And there's no. It flows so well. Again, look, you guys are more the expert on that sort of thing, but to me, it flows so well. You know, like often in a film, you'll see it cut quite 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 a, a sharp cut from one scene to another. This flows even when the story doesn't naturally necessarily flow there's something slightly different is happening but the actual visual continually flows it is an impeccably
1: edited film I think it's it it really does stand out um Sam Osteen is the editor I don't I don't know him very well but he edited Chinatown he's a lot older than you he's a lot older than me (laughs) yeah what's the joke I don't understand he says he didn't know him very well. Oh, that's very funny. <laughs> uh, he also edited Straight Time, which is another Dustin Hoffman movie, which I recommend. It's an incredible movie. highly recommend that to both of you. It's about um, this guy who... Um, he's just released from prison, and he's trying to go straight, and he's just another character who it's his, It's basically written in the stars that he's going to be a fuck-up, you know? So he's trying to go straight, but things keep going wrong, and he keeps making the wrong decisions. Um which is a fantastic movie. Um, but yeah, oh my God, he also edited The Graduate, uh, sorry, The Graduate. <laughs> he also edited The Graduate. He also edit, edited Rosemary's Baby, which is another film that is impeccably edited, one of the best edited movies I've ever seen. So this is all adding up, you know. Um, so what I do want to talk about, sorry, not talk about, what I want to do next is I have a game for us to play. That's awesome. fun. Wow, oh, Andrew, come on. Oh, that... I love a
0: game. Is it, is it the graduate quiz or something? Is it... No, no, no. It's
1: much more. Oh, I mean, it... <clears throat> that's what it's called, actually. It's, it's called the graduate quiz. And guys, did I, I asked you to bring a pen and paper. Did you do that?
0: You did. I thought that was to make notes.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh, I used to have a pen. Oh, here's my pen. <laughs> I, have,
0: I have a pen and paper. I'll so uh, what I paper. want you to
1: do... Are we Are going to draw Dustin off? <clears throat> no, I want you to... Um, nice and big, as big as you can, so I can see... Mm -hmm. back to the class Um, I want you to make two columns one graduate and one not graduate
0: okay graduate not graduate yeah what do we do next show me how it looks on your
1: paper close to the screen so I can see perfect thank you so much Jacob yours is much better um so i'm gonna give you two people two famous people and one of them will have graduated from college and one of them will have not graduated from college oh wow um so uh, do you understand the game
0: yes yes
1: very good so i'm just getting up the list right now um so i'll start with an easy one okay you ready okay Bill Gates and Shaquille O'Neal. Who graduated and who didn't graduate? It's like a trick question. Andrew, just do it. There's some music in the background here. Boom.
0: Okay, I don't think well, I have that one. It's been used on another program.
1: Oh, oh. I think I, I did genuinely use that on a previous episode, so I might already be in the shit for that one. Um, can we please reveal our answers? Hold them up nice and close to the screen. Nice and close. Um, Remember, mine's a mirror image. Andrew, yours is off to the side. Yours isn't a mirror image, you- <laughs> Okay, so you're both wrong. Shaquille O'Neal is the graduate. Bill Gates is not <sighs> the graduate. I... I had a feeling that tonight was going to be a good night. I had a feeling that Shaq might have been in the NBA before they made them go to college, but maybe Shaq went to college. No, and no, obviously that's did. exactly that's exactly how it happened. He was in the NBA and then he got and then he got a college degree. Ah, oh, what's it that I knew too much because I knew that he was drafted out of high school. God, you, you knew too much for your own good, there, Jacob.
0: God, I'm a real Bill
1: Murray. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, so next up, we're going to go for Brad Pitt Mm -hmm. and Natalie Portman. Who graduated? Mm -hmm. Who did not graduate? Uh, Brad
0: Pitt doesn't impress me, much. (laughs) Natalie Portman is fit. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean she graduated, does it?
1: Not necessarily, no. Okay, is everyone ready to do yeah, we'll all- no. it? Brad graduate, Natalie not graduate, Portman graduate. It turns out Brad Pitt is not graduate. Oh. So Jake wins that round. Um, okay. So Eva Longoria. Hmm?
0: She's super so fit. And Alicia Keys. New York. Is that Alicia Keys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Alicia Keys or who was the other one? Eva Longoria.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Longoria and Keys, not graduate. Keys is not graduate. Yes. Good job, boys. I feel like she got into the music very young. Yes, that's very, very smart of you there, Jake. Very, very smart. That's uh, a good thought. Like, like Megan Trainer. I mean, she started, as we all know, when she was about 10 or 11. Don't know who that is. Oh. Okay. Oprah Winfrey and Brooke Shields. Oh,
0: that's a tough one. I have absolutely no idea. That's a absolutely one. no idea. Really, really tough one. I'm going to go. Ooh. Don't mind. Brooke
1: is the graduate. Yes. Yes. So that one's the one for Andrew. So this one um, uh, is going to be the last one. So you're either going to draw... Winner takes it all.
0: Well, it's in a tool.
1: Yeah, the so you, you it could, could all. both get it right, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. But We could both get it wrong. Okay. Steve Jobs and Steve Spielberg. Or well, Stephen, who's oh, the first to me See that. what he did there? Two the Steves. Steve Jobs, Steve
0: Spielberg. I mean, is it back to the Bill Gates thing where Bill Gates dropped out Harvard? Um, Jobs or Spielberg that's a really difficult one there
1: Jake's doing I'm it gonna go. you're not externalising it right now it's very interesting I'm going to go
0: oh what if I just write Steve on both sides
1: <laughs> it's, very, it's very clever Jake <laughs> I've done it okay show me your answers boys Spielberg graduate Jobs not and it's a tie because, yes, Steven Spielberg is a graduate. Steve Jobs is not. Have you got a tiebreaker?
0: Um, we could keep tying forever.
1: Yeah, you could keep dying forever, and that wouldn't be very fun. Um, yeah. But, yeah, good job,
0: guys. It's a fun little game, right?
1: That was actually a very fun little game.
0: Look, I'm I, 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 being the older statesman. I'll let Jake win the prize. So if you post it to him rather than me, that's absolutely. Oh, I fine. have
1: to. I have to give it to you in real life, Jake, because it, it's a Hertz donut. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Nice.
1: Um, so look forward to that one because it's really good. Honestly, it's great. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so any concluding thoughts? Obviously, we have we've had a little break there from talking about the movie. I thought maybe it can sit with you. So, Andrew, if you changed your mind yet?
0: No, I'm. <laughs> I, I, I haven't changed my mind. I'm happy to point out something confusing, if that helps.
1: Yeah, please, go ahead.
0: Um, OK, well, you were talking about the DVD, video, whatever boxes earlier on, and yes. you'll remember the famous picture, the famous poster, was the shot of uh, Anne Bancroft's stocking-clad leg and Benjamin Braddock behind her, etc., etc. Yes. In the poster that's behind me, I hope you took a screenshot to promote I don't want to do anything alone. Um <laughs> You, you will see that that is the poster for the, the 4K remake and they've swapped re-release. so re-release remake re release re rerun re 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 um, re re where you've got obviously the picture of Dustin Hoffman wearing a suit um, but Anne Crancroft has been replaced by a tiger oh. now does it mean nothing? does it symbolise something that helps your argument out that actually this is about off from Benjamin Braddock being a real tiger just roaring into anything he wants? Or is it saying Mrs. Robinson was actually the tiger who tore through this jungle and ripped up everybody's lives? I don't know. Wow, he's been but sitting, different he's for been a sitting on that
1: the whole time, hasn't he, Jake? He didn't want yes. to use that.
0: No, no, I haven't, because I've changed. Originally, I had a slightly different angle on it, but paying respect to your angle... Mm. where I'm now saying perhaps it's it's Benjamin's the tiger who ruins it but I'm offering my original thought which was instead of the sexy Mrs Robinson it's Mrs Robinson is the tiger who who ruins the whole thing I don't know it may mean nothing they maybe just redesigned the poster because they thought it was more appealing for the next generation of people who are going to watch it I don't know I really don't yeah know.
1: I mean I'd be yeah. much more interested in a love story between a man and a tiger no, I no, have no, to say, I don't understand the new poster. No, me, me neither, to be honest. I don't really understand where that image has come from, you know?
0: No. Well, there's lots of interpretations from it. It could be. The other thing that it could be doing is that, as you know, The Graduate's my favourite film of, of all time. One of my other uh, 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 favourite films is The World's Greatest Athlete, where <laughs> he, uh, he races against... A, um, uh, a cheetah. <laughs> so I think that's a tiger, though, rather than a cheetah. And maybe they're just amalgamated by two favourite. No, films. I, I think that know. is. <gasps> Do you think that's a cougar? A cougar. Oh,
1: wow.
0: oh my god! Brilliant. Is that a cougar?
1: Is that what it is?
0: Brilliant. I'm... Maybe it's a cougar. That would explain it. That's brilliant. Um, that would.
1: I, I don't think it is. No, it's but... not a cougar. No, you think it's a tiger? No, I don't think it's a tiger either. A leopard? It? Leopards a leopard it's, its, it's a spots. leopard. It's got spots. Is it a leopard? It's, it's got spots. Got spots.
0: So I can't is it spotty? Just, I'm looking on the... Oh, actually, it's right behind me. Okay, look. Hold on. <laughs> it's a, is it a leopard? And a leopard doesn't change its spots. <gasps> it is a leopard. Do you know what Jake le- said? <laughs> yeah, leopard doesn't... Well, that's backing up your argument. A leopard doesn't change its spots. But that would mean that he is the leopard. But the leopard is staring at him. Because he's I, staring
1: at himself. It's self-reflection, the whole thing. Wow. Thanks for that, Jake. You've already summated this. And I think if there was anyone who wins a podcast, I think it would be uh, you sort of alluping me, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah. Fair no, enough. I don't, I don't No, I'm sorry. I think that is <laughs> Mrs. Robinson staring at him but well, that's quite clearly a leopard, that. I can see it from there. <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite clearly a leopard. It's quite clearly a leopard because of the spots, um, And I think she's staring at him. And, and basically, the poster has not been designed by Nichols. He, he died early in 2020. I suppose it could have been, but I doubt it very much. Um, but um, um, no, that's just that's just some some person in the in the poster, factory. One of the things that is in the poster, and it's a fantastic joke in the film, a very subtle one, is every
1: time he gets asked, does he want a scotch? And he says, no, bourbon. And he gives him a scotch. Oh, yeah. That's funny. He's like, your your drink was a scotch, right? It's like bourbon. He just continues to pour the scotch.
0: (laughs) Now, I'm not happy with this leopard thing. I'm not ending this podcast (laughs) on this leopard thing. I don't. I don't think, I think you're interpreting that very, very unfairly.
1: (laughs) To be honest, I don't know how to interpret it. I don't
0: understand it as a poster. You did it, Jake. You literally did it. I've blamed the case. He did it wrong. He did it. (laughs) He did it wrong. That's not (laughs) Benjamin. They're not both Benjamin.
1: Yeah, no, I like what Jake's saying. It's like, it's looking in on himself kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. It's, it's the overbearing presence of himself that won't change. Yes. No, absolutely. <laughs> Golly, what school did you go to? No, absolutely. Jake's been to university not?
1: many times.
0: <laughs> oh, he has been. He has been. He has <laughs> attempted attempted more degrees than else. He was just trying to follow Bill Gates' footsteps, I think. But, um, um, you know. Uh, but there you go. Um, no, it, it's it's look. It, it's also different as well because he's wearing a suit and tie. When does he wear a suit and tie in the film? I'm trying to think. He definitely what does. does. He,
1: wear? he does. For the party, doesn't he? Is he wearing a suit? I don't know. Yeah, he's wearing it. At the party. When he goes, when he goes to the hotel, is he wearing a suit? No, he's wearing, not wearing a tie. He? Mm. Who knows? I don't think that will um, do our final answer. That won't, that won't clear anything up necessarily. Yeah. Um, but any, any closing thoughts before we wrap up the episode? Oh, I can't um, believe it was the leopard the whole time. I know. I can't believe the leopard did it. Yeah.
0: But um, no, I, I will only say I very much enjoyed being on the podcast. Uh, it was very nice to be invited. And as I said, I, I look forward to my next appearance on the, on the Seinfeld one. Uh-huh. Um, where where we, we may have slightly different views on some of the the characters or the the, the sentiment of the whole uh, of, the, of the whole thing, um, and it'd be very interesting if we could invite perhaps the uh, the, the real Kramer on that, who who we've all met. Um, yes. now, um, I have his email address. If you'd like to extend an invitation to him, um, <laughs> I mean, like think
1: like why not? That could be kind of funny.
0: I, I, I will I will certainly pass it on to you. but no, in my conclusion of this is you know, I haven't changed my mind. I, I think it's the love story I, I said it was. I, I, I respect your views and I understand some of it. but to me, it's a love story. To me, the evils a bit too strong. but the, uh, the, the, the dark character in the whole thing is, is, is Mrs. Robinson. Um, I I filter her a bit. I'm not sure she can help it. She she doesn't know what to do with her life. In the same way, it sort of mirrors Benjamin in a way. We've all agreed Benjamin's confused. Uh, um, He's worried about his future. She's older than him, of course, but she's got a future as well. At least she's got a future of some kind when he sorts it out. Mrs. Robinson doesn't really think she's got a future at all. She really doesn't know what it holds. Mm. I I, I think about it since she's set out picking him as the target to stop him ever going after Elaine. Um, I, I think that could be part of her pre-meditation. Um, I feel for Mr. Robinson, because I feel he's sort of stuck in this kind of rut himself. My favourite line that he says, one of my favourite lines in the film, where Dustin Hoffman has tried to suggest to Mr. Robinson that uh, the affair he had with, uh, with Mrs. Robinson was no more than a handshake. And Mr. Robinson says, "Well, you will forgive me if I don't shake hands with you? Um, as he leaves his room at, at, at Barclay uh-huh. um, and that's probably Mr Robinson's best uh, best best line mm-hmm. um, but um, um, no, I, I, I don't change my view on it, I, it's, it's my favourite film of all time, I see it as a love story, I will always see it as a love story but I'm grateful that you have opened my eyes to the fact that there are different interpretations of it and I respect those interpretations even if I don't Agree with those, hey, and
1: that's why we talk about movies you know that's what's so great about them is that we can we can come together and we can interpret things and well, we can express these there's nice round table here you know
0: the only thing i would ask if, if it's a possibility at all um, i remember you once put on a a, a, a big show at a cinema in, in the east end of london where you were showing seinfeld and kerb but what about if you showed the graduate and you've got a room full of people um, and, and we had a big debate about it afterwards. That would be fantastic. You are, are you like an interactive podcast. Yeah, a live interactive podcast with a cinema audience.
1: Maybe somewhere down the line, I, I wonder. I wonder how how uh, how this will fare on the uh, on the airwaves. This episode, we'll see. We'll see what the, oh, this is the
0: most listened to ever. We'll promote this one. We'll see. Yeah, we'll promote this one. Yeah, you're going to put some money behind it. I, I would gladly, because I think it's been a great episode. <laughs> okay. It's well, my favourite episode.
1: Yeah, you, you haven't listened to any, right? That's correct.
0: No, but but also I would say <laughs> one final thing, actually. I would like to donate to charity my appearance money. I'd rather it didn't come directly <laughs> to me. That's great. Uh, it's yeah. very big of you. Please, please give it straight to the uh, Worldwide Film Foundation or, or whatever they're called.
1: Yeah, I yeah, know. I'll give it to uh, the, this new charity called um, JJK. I, 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 I don't really know much about it, but I'll fund the money to them.
0: Yeah, charity begins at home. So, mm-hmm, Absolutely. Uh,
1: Jake, any closing thoughts? Um, just what they're all saying, really. Uh, release, Release the lost episode. <laughs> release the lost episode, of course. Yes. You don't know about uh, me and Jake recorded an episode a while back that um, never got never got to see the light of day, but I do have it stored okay.
0: somewhere. Oh, you should leave that another 55, 60 years till it's like posthumous, hopefully mm, 70, 70 years mm, uh, yeah. in a time capsule uh, because I think these casts are going to get bigger and bigger and then people will want that lost episode from... You know, 2020, yeah, people will really be going. Do you remember that film that came out in 2020, The Kid Detective? <laughs> I wonder what people
1: had to say about it, <laughs> specifically Jake and Jordan Coutts, and also that oh. one REM album. Oh, yeah, we did a double episode. Remember, no, oh, it's a good episode. I we'll release it. Is that the one where mom was on it? I think so, yeah, yeah, that was great. She was on it as well. Um, um anyway. but in, in, in conclusion of the film. Very interesting to hear two very different opinions from yourselves. Obviously, I'm slightly more aligned to well, slightly heavily more aligned to Jordan's way of thinking. But I do, I do find it interesting the the different interpretations of it. Um, and once I've watched it 18 more times,
0: <laughs> then you can we can,
1: uh, we, we can come back and uh, discuss it. Again. Fantastic. Would it
0: be would it be legal for us to write a sequel? or because we don't own the rights to the original, can't you do that? We can write it, I don't know. If
1: you start writing, somebody will knock on your door.
0: Yeah, no,
1: they do come come swinging through the windows um, and they will arrest you.
0: As soon as as
1: as that pen hits that paper. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the thought police. Interesting. Just out of interest, one closing question then. I think you alluded to it earlier and I agree with you. Say they did make a remake. You've got Ben Stiller straight oh, away. Might be a bit oh. old now, but uh-huh. you've, you've got a Ben Stiller. It's a too. bit old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he could play a graduate. Yeah, look like at all that de aging technology now. <laughs> yeah, e- exactly. But who would play? Who would play Mrs. Robinson? And who would play Elaine? That's the that's the interesting oh, though, thing. Mrs. Robinson Mrs. would
1: be <laughs> Olivia Wilde, um, and Elaine would be <sighs> Beanie Feldstein. <laughs> I don't know you just just naming names. Interestingly, you know that there's only not even quite a six-year age gap between uh, Dustin Hoffman and uh, Bancroft. No way!
0: Yeah. Incredible. Absolutely incredible.
1: Yeah, he does seem... He plays young very well, even though he was, what, almost 30 when the film was made? Yeah. Crazy.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, But, uh, 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 you know, uh, if we could find a part, I don't know what she'd play, if we could find a part for Lizzie Kaplan, um, I'll be I'll be down for the filming every day. She could be Mrs. Robinson. No, she's, she's about the
1: same sexy. age. She's the same not, age as uh, Anne Bancroft, Bancroft
0: was, yeah. roughly, I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah, but she's not sexy like that. Anne Bancroft <laughs> was a sexy woman, and Lizzie Kaplan's not got that. She's lovely. I like her, but she's not got that sex appeal, really.
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think maybe we cut this about five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, thank you very much for both um coming here today. It was it was very nice to chat with you two about um something other than I don't know, sports and the weather. What blokes usually talk about, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's what we
0: talk about all the time. Yeah. We did talk
1: about birds and busts.
0: And cars. Cars. Yeah. Fwa.
1: The Alfa Romeo, am I right? Fwa. Oh,
0: Alfa Romeo spider. Um there's a name for that. It's a series <laughs> one one. I, I don't know. It's, you know. But,
1: uh, Amazing. Yeah. Well, um, uh, we'll say goodbye now. Thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'll Thanks see you too. both again here very soon.
0: Thank you very much. Been a pleasure.
1: Bye-bye now. Ciao.